This, 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 this is mythical. Before we get started, we wanna let you know that to celebrate 1,600 episodes, we're pricing all of our teas at $16 for only 16 hours at mythical.com today, Monday the 23rd. That's mythical.com, only today. Now on with the biscuit. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we ask, what's it like inside NASA? Yes. And we should know. Because we've been inside NASA. Houston, we have a problem. We've let Rhett and Link inside. Um, yeah, you know the saying, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> well, it's because if you're in space and you have a problem, you tell Houston. And that's where we were in Houston, at the uh, at the space center there, the like Johnson the, Space Center. Yeah, um, they they graciously invited us and gave us a a tour. Um, I learned some stuff. Yeah, I, f- I feel like you. I feel like the wheels are really turning for you. So I really want to know what came of that because we never discussed it because we moved right up. We had to do a show that night. Right. So um, we we'll dedicate this episode to unpacking NASA's secrets. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we the secrets that they're willing to disclose to anyone from the public who comes inside. We're but we are fresh off of a little mini tour. We were in Houston for uh, for our comedy show, and we went to shout out to Houston, New Orleans, Birmingham, Jacksonville, and Tampa. We had some fun on on some on all those stages. All those stages. All those stages. It's just like a stage five rocket. Yeah, and you know what? We're not done with the fun while we're talking about that. We've, okay, we've yeah. actually got, um, again, this is just, we're not planning on touring much uh, in the near future after this, take a take a, a pretty good break from that. So uh, this is the last chance to see this particular show for a good while. Yeah, just this fall of 2019. Um, just go to but uh, to whet your appetite. First of all, we've got um, a week of special, um, well, I'm just gonna call it a special thing called- the, the Bleak Creek Conversations. Bleak Creek Conversations where around the, the launch of the novel, we're planning a very, very special evening in Boston, New York, Chicago, Dallas, Fort Worth, two shows in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and then back here in Los Angeles, and that goes from October 27th through November 1st, November 3rd, I'm sorry. And then we're doing more of our musical comedy show in Albuquerque, Phoenix, Sacramento, and Valley Center, California, November 20th through 23rd. So go to redlinklive.com to get tickets. But um, we did have some fun. We didn't bring the kids this time. Britain, Britain was still there. Yeah, he was. He's a kid. He's nineteen. Um, yeah. Well, technically, he isn't. Oh, and let me—I do want to clarify because I want to say it every time we talk about the Bleak Creek conversations that you get a copy of the novel when you get that ticket. So think about that. It's a as, deal as you're uh, considering coming out to that. And we're showing a documentary that we shot back home in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, over the summer. So it's going to be an intimate, one of a kind evening. And then for these shows, I mean, I, I really think we're stretching our legs. Like we did, we had some crazy, we had some crazy moments with with fans. I want to give a shout out to you guys for 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 being so supportive. And 
letting us talk about whatever we wanna talk about. We don't even know what's gonna happen. We're talking about like soil eating fish. You remember soil eating fish? That was one night. Right. We talked extensively about that. Um, another night we talked and I can't even explain it. You had to be there. Well that's the thing is that the each each show ends up being different. We don't, we have some things that we say before songs that we always say but the, even that changes up but we use we use the the energy and the vibe of that particular location, and sometimes it sends yeah. us in a weird. We channeled place. the voodoo of New Orleans. We saw some voodoo dolls. Um, we got to tell this story that we told from stage. We were in this place because um, you and Britain are like into all this type of stuff, and it turns out voodoo dolls are supposed to be nice. They're supposed to be mostly used for positive purposes. Well, uh, voodoo as a whole, voodoo as a whole, which. Okay, I'm probably gonna get some things wrong, so let me just give that disclaimer. You're but not an expert. I'm not an you, expert. You shouldn't be. But I've been to the Voodoo Museum in New Orleans and that has given me enough of an authority to say that Voodoo is like a meeting of uh, you know, predominantly African ancestral religions meets some elements of Western religion like Catholicism and kind of, it's so a, sort of a hybrid sort of comes out yeah, and that's what you end up ended up having in, in in New Orleans in the New Orleans area. But I think that culturally, we tend to be kind of fascinated with what we see as like the subversive, maybe we would say evil side of voodoo because it's like witchcraft and spells and sacrificing Poking pins in a and doll like so that. that you can hurt somebody. But in reality, uh, most of that stuff. The intention of it is is all good, like you said, to bring good to someone. But yeah, sometimes you might want to bring some bad to somebody. But but I'll tell you what you can't do is you can't roll into one of these voodoo shops and take a picture of the voodoo dolls. They no, won't you let can't. you do that. Um, so we're walking around. It says no photos, no photos. And I heard um, a girl come up to Rhett, and it was it turned out to be two girls. And I was a little further away, but I did hear the entire conversation. Um, and so, so, but do you want to tell it since she said it to you? Yeah, well, for those of you who haven't been to New Orleans before, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. A lot of times there are just people. Pe- oh, everyone is oh, walking what time around. Of day. Yeah, because this was like one o'clock. Everyone is walking around with large beverage containers of different sizes and shapes, often very tall. Like the one that this girl had was big as her head, thirty-six inches tall. Uh, this giant. She had a thirty-six-inch doll head. Cup full of who al- knows? alcohol. Well, who knows what? A lot of times it's just voodoo like, doll like piss. Who a, knows? A slushy. I mean, they got whole bars that behind the bar instead of seeing like taps, it's just alcoholic slushies. Yeah, for the children. And um, so she comes up and she's already a little bit New Orleansed, <laughs> <laughs> and she sees me and she says, "Oh." Um, and then she sees Link kind of behind me and she's like, oh, aren't you guys Thomas and Rhett? <laughs> and uh, I joined the conversation at this point in order to say. Well, yes. Well, yes we are. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is we've gotten mistaken. Thomas and Rhett. We've been called lots of things. Thomas Rhett is a country country music I performer. Think most people if you do know not that. know that. So that's what makes this particularly funny because she was getting in her mind the only Rhett that she knew was Thomas Rhett, so that, aren't you Thomas and Rhett? That's the best, that's the best one we've ever gotten. Yeah, 
And then she took a picture and then the guy who worked there is like, no pictures. And we're like, well, she's taking a picture of us, Thomas and Rhett. Yeah. It was, she's not taking a Don't picture. Don't you know who we are? Of your voodoo doll. She certainly does. They had a glass case with a paper mache head in it. And then they had a, a newspaper clipping that's like this head had been found somewhere, but it was clearly paper mache. Yeah, right. I don't know if that was a recreation, but I. I think it's just all part of the, part of the act. So we did that. Oh, and we ate, this is also New Orleans, where we ate lunch, I had, I had a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wait in line and then you, you order at the counter and they're like frying chicken and frying fish and shrimp and uh, chicken was the special. Everyone was getting like, it was like a meat and three type of type situation. You get your meat and your three veg sides, three veggies. But I think it was two. It was meat and two, okay. And um, you know, I'm like, well, I, I kinda want some shrimp. I like a good fried shrimp at a place like this. So I ordered that, but all you guys got the fried chicken and it did look very good, but I didn't This place get it. was called, uh, I wanted to say Marjorie's, but it wasn't. It was Majorie's with no R, Majorie's mm-hmm. Commerce Restaurant. A lot of locals in there. And when you're up there getting ready to order, it, it seems like chaos. And no matter what we did, it seems like we were always doing the wrong thing. It's just like, one of those you're not places. supposed to, like she would yell at us like, come over here, it's like, I got you. What, have you ordered? It's like, well, no, what, uh, can you order? What do you want? And it's it was like, like the, the taking of the orders was, like there was an aggressive frustration stance. And I was like, you know what, this feels right. You know, if you're going into a place where you see, I mean, I saw a guy who looked like he was on meth. I saw a guy who looked like he could have been the mayor of New Orleans. They were both there eating at tables, eating eating the same fried chicken. What if the mayor of New Orleans is on meth? Oh, well, let's let's assume not. Okay. Um, I'm just saying there was like a politician dude and you know, it was just, it was a melting pot of locals. And then we just felt constant shame for doing everything wrong. I'm like, this is how you should feel. You know you're in the right place when you feel like you're screwing it all up. Well, when Britton sat down after being through that line, he was like, whoa, that was a very stress-inducing experience. Yeah. And it was, because you just felt like an outsider. But then it was replaced with the- Pure joy. Dining experience. Shrimp were amazing. The um, They had these twice, bi- they called them twice baked potatoes, but it, they scooped it out just like mashed potatoes and put gravy on it still. It was amazing. Right. Um, no skins. There was no skins on the twice baked potatoes. And corn. And I'm going through this shrimp like there's no tomorrow. Loving it. You guys are saying the chicken's amazing. I look over and I see half a chicken leg uneaten on Britain's plate and I'm like, we're, we're blood? You done with that chicken leg? Are you gonna eat that? He's <laughs> like, you can have it. I took a bite of that chicken leg. It's the best chicken. I was transported to my nanny's Sunday after church kitchen table where she would always fry up chicken. She'd, oh man, I got goosebumps. And then I started talking about how good this chicken was and I got my goosebumps, I got goosebumps. I got goosebump bumped. And it just felt so good to eat that chicken. Um, it well, was it like was I was the eating best. Nanny's chicken again. It was the best fried chicken. Oh, I've ever had. I mean, I can safely I've had say- I've a lot it of was, fried chicken. I, I haven't had better fried chicken than that. Maybe there's a time that I've forgotten that I, I had as good a fried chicken, but the ratio of crispiness on the outside to juiciness on the inside, and of course, I'm a white meat man, 
And a lot of people are turned off by white meat because they don't, they think that it's dry and they think that a breast is dry. Yeah. But I think that the breast is the perfect piece of chicken because it's the most chicken concentrated without any hindrance of bone. It's just this yeah, but giant you piece of You don't get as much of that crunchy and that skin. I like that too. You get a huge blanket of skin, man. It's you like gotta, you gotta, the you largest concentration of skin and meat on the bird. It's like the place that you're intended to take a bite out of a bird. If you were just to pick up a bird, you would just take a bite out of that I'm area. a dark meat man, but I mean, listen. But hold on, but it was so juicy. It didn't matter. That it would turn a dark meat man into a white meat man. Mm. Now I didn't let you have any because I wasn't gonna give any up. But Britain did, thank goodness, and it was absolutely transformative. I mean, it it was transportative. It transported me, and my, because. My nanny's not able to fry chicken anymore, and she had she you know there's something to the brining. Like if it's really salty, you're on to something. Yeah, well you they got to get the brining right. The brining does something. With something the, with milk with she the juiciness did, though. Did too. something with brining and, and milk or something, um, but it, it it it's apparently irreplicable until this place, Majories, and uh, highly recommend it if you're in New Orleans. Oh yeah, it was just it was so good. I mean, now I will say we you know we were because speaking of food, we were doing the uh, the chow down in your town thing that we did we do before each show where we take the two things that are recommended us recommended to us on Twitter and we pit them against each other. And um, I can't even remember what the New Orleans recommendations were. That's how. It was gu- it was a oh, it was gumbo. gumbo and gumbo and beignets, and it was beignets from uh, Cafe Du Mont, which is the place to get beignets. But they had been in the bag for maybe forty five minutes by the time they got to us, and you really need to eat those fresh. They still won. And we we thought the gumbo was should have been jambalaya, and we were trying to figure out why it wasn't red. But yeah, it was just it was a just, pot of gravy. We were, we were just super ignorant about what jambalaya is versus gumbo and gumbo because of the roux. It's supposed to be brown, but I just don't. I mean, it wasn't bad. I ate an entire like, you know, you cup eating of it. an entirety of something says nothing about it. Actually. Right, that's what I'm saying. It was it was edible, but it wasn't like <laughs> I have to tell someone about this so they will also eat it, which is what I would do with the fried chicken. Yeah, I don't lick the plate unless it's lickable. You lick the plate because I'm hungry. I'm always hungry. It's edible. I'm hungry right now, and I just ate. <laughs> And then we went to an escape room. You know, it's like, am, am, In Tampa. I, am I wrong? Am I wrong to say that escape rooms are not like a hotbed of coolness? It's like, you just don't think you'd like. But what is a hotbed of coolness? Like. Give me an example. Like a rock and roll bar, like out back in the alley. Like if you're walking in the back alley and you see like, I don't know, you see I think somebody maybe, from Motley Crue back Maybe there. in movies. Escape rooms are kind of like, I don't know. It's, for it's, nerds, it's, is that what you're saying? For, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's like you got this grand idea. We're gonna put people in a room. They're gonna solve these problems, but they're, it's it, it's gonna be immersive, and like you're gonna you're gonna forget where you are. It's gonna be like Disneyland. But you never quite forget that you're in a strip mall, right? And like a, it's hard in an old converted office building. Yeah, it's hard to make the set dressing work that well in what used to be a dental office. Right, but we had a great time. Now escaping a dental office, hey, maybe that's a win-win, maybe that's what we should do. Just acquire a dental office and just lock it. Put some clues in there, you gotta pull pull some teeth to get some keys. 
I could I could get with that. Um, the one in Tampa was it was pretty fun though. It was like it was zombie apocalypse, and I'm like I don't want to do this if there's like people dressed as zombies. I just I'm not I don't want to have to have that type of interaction. But as soon as you went in the place, you kind of knew there wasn't going to be anybody dressed as anything. It's just going to be some faint sound effects of zombies outside, and we are inside tasked with. Um, Developing the unlocking the antidote for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, pretty cool actually. I we had a lot of fun. Yeah, we did. We didn't get in. We didn't fight too much. And we got out. And you and uh, I didn't fight any. I think Britain and I fought, which I think is a that's a great. I think that's the dynamic when Britain's there. It's like, is that is that what happens? Like, you know, I start to get grumpy after a couple of days on the road, and I'm True. like, I think he's there to he's there to absorb that. He absorbs your grumpiness. I direct it towards him sometimes. You do you observe? Do you observe my absorption? His absorption. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I actually think that his um he he changes the dynamic of us spending that much time together on the road. Yeah. Because I think that we 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 talked about this on this past trip. Um. Which apparently I lost my voice on the trip because. <laughs> Do you um, need to do you need to hack something? <clears throat> no, it's, I yeah, I'm I've got like a You want me to cut the throat of your voodoo doll, give you a little tracheotomy? I've got like a like a constant production of phlegm that's just like it hasn't been happening until until right now. Well, it started happening with me yesterday and I think it's a it's a return to Los Angeles. There's something in the air here. The pollution? Yeah, something. I'm serious. I noticed. Well, I my, know there's a lot of pollution. My nose started running a little bit more. My throat felt a little congested. Well, I guess I'm going to be struggling with it the whole time. We should move to Arizona. I don't even know what I was going to say. Oh, th- he changes the dynamic because when we spend a lot of time together on the road, first of all, our work responsibilities back here don't go away. Now we've got a great team, and there's not a whole lot on a day-to-day basis that we have to worry about anymore from yeah. a company standpoint, but there's still a lot of things and then Jenna is there, she's getting a lot of emails, she's handling a lot of things, asking us a lot of questions. We made the observation that we don't get a lot done um, other than touring, when, even though the, the, the act of getting ready for the show, you know, signing the posters for the meet and greet, and then meeting some, you know, meeting some of the mythical society people or anybody else that might be in that town that we've arranged to meet, and then you do the show, and then you got the meet and greet after. I mean, that that's all the work work that we do, but the, it's a pretty emotionally draining. And so, if you're gonna do something else, you want it to be like something that can kind of be engaging, like going and eating fried chicken, <laughs> or going, going to, to an, an escape, escape room. room. We um, did get out, by the way. Yeah, which apparently only 35% of people who go into this escape room get out. And I gotta say. That's that, what she told us. To make you, us feel you, good you, about you getting out. You think that she, they're lying about the escape percentage? That makes absolutely, there's no, you, I can't think of zero reason why they would lie about that. I just think people, if people don't escape, aren't they angry? I've been to an escape room before and not gotten out. And aren't they still in there? When the time's up, they just let you out they and say you you're out. a failure. Yeah, it, escape rooms. You didn't escape from not, an escape room? I've escape only escaped from escape rooms. Would not be fun for people who like escape rooms if people who are coming to an escape room for the first time always get out. That seems pretty straightforward to me. Because Yeah, yeah. And we had very motivated, we were all very motivated and we all worked well together 
uh, and then Britton and his friends had been to an escape room like the day before. So they were kind of primed. There's, a, there's only so many different ways you can hide a key in a box. You know what I'm saying? They had some pretty cool ones. It, it was very cool. But um, we wouldn't. Your or point, it wasn't cool because you no, don't not, think it can be. It's cool. not cool. It's it's like it's like magic without a magician. It's kind of what it feels like. It feels like you're doing all the magic, but it's just puzzles. That's an interesting perspective. I don't. know, It feels like it's in the same genre, even though there's no magic involved. You think it. people who like magic also like escape rooms? Yeah, l- big overlap there. I. It, it, that makes sense to me. I can't exactly explain why, hmm. but I agree with it. But we got out, so we are in the top thirty-five of all people. Top, top thirty-five. 30, top thirty-five people. <laughs> We're the top thirty-five people on the planet because we escaped from a escape room in Tampa, Florida. Well, yeah, we're in the top thirty-five percent of people who have escaped a very particular escape room in Tampa. And I got to be honest with you: nothing against Tampa, nothing against any place in the world. But when I found out that 35% of people had made it out of this escape room in Tampa, I was like, I'm gonna feel pretty bad about myself if I don't if I don't qualify in the top 35%. Hmm. I mean, that's just kind of pride, that's how, how much pride I have. And I was like, especially with the team that we've got here, I feel like this is gonna happen. We don't have any strangers, no randos. Sometimes you get randos in your group. That's bad. I had a drunk rando. The only time I've never gotten out of, I didn't get out of escape room is because there was a very distracting drunk rando in the room with us, hated that guy. At a certain point, I remember you told me, you just kinda have to turn to him and say, dude. He couldn't take any, sit in the corner. he could take no direction. Sit in the corner, man. He's such a distraction. Sit in the corner and make sure you're not sitting on anything like a key, a lock, or a clue. Right. So we went to NASA. More questions than answers, perhaps. Let's get to those. Ear Biscuits is supported by AC Pro. It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows out hot air. The issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with an AC Pro. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We seem tired. Right now? Yeah, I mean, I am tired. I'm sleepy. Because we went on tour. I feel like I'm not giving my best work. What, we, this podcast sucks. Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I mean, I think, I, no, I wanna lean into this because I think this is this is just. Let's part, go tired. Part, <laughs> part of an ear biscuit is, is an authentic, like, hey, with this, where it's checking in, okay. in one sense, okay. having a conversation be real. in the current state. I mean, I'm in this state where I've got phlegm that is being produced and changing the character of my voice and then I have to <clears throat> do that and then get it back to normal. I just don't think people wanna know that if we had a choice, we wouldn't be doing this right now. I, you, you are putting words in my mouth. I'm not saying I don't no, wanna I'm do just, this. I'm just being honest that 
what I'm saying is that, do you wanna do this right now? I definitely wanna do it. I wanna oh. lean into it. The, oh, okay. the whole point of what I'm saying is that Me I wanna too. do it. It's a privilege to it, do this. It's unusual for us to go on tour and then to come back. Like we, we were gone, we were gone over the weekend and then even though we typically try to get back and then the day we get back we have like a day off because we're trying to like replicate the weekend, we couldn't do that yesterday because we had to um, get on get on the phone with the guy who's reading our uh, Audible book and kind of go through and answer some questions. Which was fun. Uh, it, was a, it was fun. But then. But I'm struggling now. Kind of continued on with the day and now we got up today and we started with like very businessy corporate stuff right from the beginning. Uh, and then we had to go do an interview. The people came here to do the interview that was also for the Audible thing. And then we stepped right into here after about a 10 minute lunch. So that's where you're but catching you're, you're us right now. You're not complaining, you're just saying. No, I'm just saying that like, typically we would have had a chance, like we haven't talked about the fact that we went to NASA. No, we haven't. So now we're going to talk about the fact that we went to NASA and what that did for us. I mean, I don't have any agenda here. I, I, you, you said moon that, landing. You said that I've got a lot of thoughts. Can be real. The moon landing doesn't have to be fake. That's not what we're getting at. Um, yeah, we we did accept. We were humbled to accept the offer to go to Johnson Space Center, and um, so we pull up there. Of course, there's a gate. You know, they have security. You just don't want to roll in there and start kicking over rockets. You know, you got to yeah. be with the right people. They give tours like via a tram because I saw that. Yeah. But oh, we got walked around, and um, John Warder came up and, and filmed it for us. And it's going to be um, some of this is going to make it into a, a video piece on LTAT. Right. At a later date, we ate some astronaut food, and that's the main point of of that video that right. we shot there. Um, so that was really cool. But we should probably talk about some some of the other aspects of it. Well. I had no idea what to expect. And the first thing that we went in was, uh, it was called the vehicle, it was like the Space Vehicle Mock-Up Center or something like that. Big old room and all of a sudden there's like, like multi-wheeled vehicles. Look, I mean, that didn't look like the Mars Rover, just all different types of things that they were building. Like they had this thing that had six wheels but then it had the torso and the, like head and arms four, of a, I think of it a, had four wheels of a of a like a person. It, I oh, called it. it a, I a called robot. it the 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 redneck centaur. Yeah, because it was an ATV on the bottom and a man up top. Now I think that they there's there's a competition series where people build different things like in order to foster yeah students to foster innovation, and I think we were looking at some of those things. But the main thing that I was thinking, now th this room is absolutely massive. It, it's probably longer than a football field and maybe as wide. Um, has this giant couple of cranes that can move up and down almost like you're at a, sh at a shipyard, you know, to be mm -hmm. able to pick up these giant pieces of equipment. And it has everything from a full scale, not, you know, kind of a replica of the International Space Station with the different modules kind of connected together and then it has all those prototypes and prototype vehicles that Link was talking about, the competition vehicles that can do things like throw a basketball through a hoop and stuff that the student engineering students have done. Throw a rock through the moon. And then it has um, like part of the shuttle, like the practice part of the shuttle, so Let, the let's cockpit talk, of the let's shuttle. Let's talk about this. Okay, so 
it's it's literally the space shuttle cockpit that they built to put the astronauts in to train. Yeah. Um, but you don't need the whole shuttle, you just need the front of it. And um, so we climb up in that thing. Of course, the space shuttle is not, they don't use that, they don't use the space shuttle anymore. The things that they're doing now are, the, they're sending, there's two different types of missions. They're sending people to Mars and then they're sending people to the moon. And the people that they're sending to, what, which one is like almost, they call it commercial travel, right? Yeah, I didn't, I gotta be honest with you, I didn't understand exactly what they were talking about every time they said that. They're just gonna start sending people. People who want to go and can just get on the thing? Is that what you're talking about? Like what Richard so, yeah. Branson was talking about? Yes. Maybe we should have asked some more questions if we were gonna <laughs> talk about it. But well, the space shuttle, they don't use that anymore. Space shuttle is, is uh, obsolete. But they still got the front of the cockpit in there and so we climbed up in this thing. I mean, we got to sit on the toilet. The, it's like got a, a suction lever. Yeah, it sucks the poop right out of you. Well, it, it sends it in the right direction. Yeah, once you, once you get the poop out, it sucks it down. So if you just poop in the open air in space, I mean, there's no gravity. Newsflash. Um, so it sucks the poop and the pee, which I'm thinking about getting one of those installed at my house because better be safe than sorry. I mean, a flush kind of does the same thing on Earth. Yeah. Just saying. And then we, we crawled into the, the cockpit, two seats up there, and it, here's the thing, man. Back when they first built this stuff and used it, apparently everything needed its own dedicated button. Like we live in a world now when it's like you got this little screen and then everything, like everything that you wanna do is all within the screen. Right. You know, it's like, but then it was, it was just buttons, levers, knobs, and if they were really important that you have to lift something up in order to then push the button. But every single square inch of real estate inside of this cockpit, just buttons. Well, I think one of the things that I was struck with. So overwhelming. Is, and this is a combination of seeing the inside of what they would actually have to fly, seeing the cockpit, meeting a couple of astronauts. You know, we met Matthew who we uh, did the tasting with and then we met um, the uh, the retired astronaut and his wife who mm -hmm. their grandkids are big mythical beasts. Um, I was just struck with how much they have to know. Well yeah, first of all you gotta know what every button does and you gotta know where it is. I guess you start to associate like the physical location of the thing and like after a while, and then that's why they have this thing there so you can train in like second nature, you just know where to go for these buttons. Well and they have contact, I mean theoretically, I guess you you can lose contact but you do have contact with the ground with Houston. So you're gonna get, they're, they're, they're monitoring things and getting feedback and they're gonna be able to like tell you what you need to, to do and maybe tell you what button to press but you know, when we talked to, to Matthew, he was like coming off of his, um, basically finishing his training to become an astronaut and he was like going into his geology class. Yeah, because you have to, when you go up there, there's so few people are up there and you have to know so much more because you, you, you just can't send a specialist for everything. You can't send a doctor just to have a doctor. 
You know, it's not like but they Starfleet do, but they Command. Do, they do send doctors, but they're doctors who are also astronauts who have been trained in all these other ways. But but he said not, usually they don't send doctors because you gotta, you gotta have this breadth of knowledge that goes beyond that. Well, I guess what I'm saying is if you were a doctor, or you, you had a medical background, you would then have to have all the other same training to be able to physically do what astronauts do. Right. And to mentally do what astronauts do. And so, I, and so I asked he, him. Yeah, cause he's, like you said, he had taken, he had just finished a two week course in geology. And you ask him what else he had studied. Well, he was like, I, you know, I've got dental care, I can extract a tooth. Uh, I was like, did you pull somebody's tooth for training? He was like, no. I was like, well dude, you didn't go all the way. Pull, you gotta pull your own tooth. But here's the thing that kind of struck right me now. crazy. Is that, you know, there's 13 astronauts in the current class. And so I asked him, how many people applied for those 13 positions? He said 18,000. Yeah. So if you think about the selection Pretty process. Pretty elite. Like when you meet somebody who's an NBA player, I don't know what the percentages are of like the number of people who want to be in the NBA and the number of people who are, but it's an elite thing. But it's somebody who's really good at basketball, which is impressive in and of itself, but it's still basketball. I mean like yeah. there, there, there's no indications that they're gonna be good at everything else, but an astronaut has gotten, you know, they have gone through this evaluation to test their physical capabilities, their mental capabilities, their emotional stability, they have psyche valves because you're gonna go up and you're gonna be in this confined space and you can't go nuts. You can't be difficult to, to, to you can't be hard to get along with. Mm -mm. You can't not play well with others. You have to be the kind of person who can be a leader but also can be a follower. Here's a fact, high school senior players eventually drafted by an NBA team, about three in 10,000 or .03% chance. But again, that's still t talking about somebody with basketball. This is someone who has been through this incredibly stringent application process, who is like the best human, the best humans we can come up with to send away from Earth. We're sending the best of them away. Well, I would I would say the most well-rounded, um, technically. You don't think they're the best? I don't know, I mean, best is kind of a catch-all term. It's a little too generic. Okay, well I, I consider them the best. The best of the best. Um, he, he said that anybody can apply. It's a government position. You just go to the website I wanna be an astronaut.com. But how many people who go through that process, I, th I would say the vast majority of people who go through the process of application are probably have some reason to think that they're qualified. But that got me to thinking about, you've got these people. More and more people are gonna be going and the qualifications are gonna be coming down. I think that, I th well. Commercial I don't, travel. I don't agree with that. Because they said that there were gonna be maybe like 40 different people in space in the next X number of years and so, they, there was gonna be more astronauts, but I don't think that when you take the top 13, if you expanded the top 13 out to the top 50, I think the drop off from number 13 to number 50 in a group that small is not gonna be that measurable. I think we're a certain a certain top okay. percentage of these people are gonna be in the incredible most incredible people that Earth has to offer. Now here's what I was thinking, and this gets into ethics and other things. But like, shouldn't those people, shouldn't those people be the ones who are uh, 
Doing the sperm donation? Oh, I thought you were gonna say run for president. Um, doing the sperm donation. <laughs> what are you referring to? Shouldn't. What are you talking about? Shouldn't they be the ones to do to do the sperm donation? <laughs> yeah. For everyone? I Well, you don't like want. Like only their seed or eggs, I might add. Right. Um, shouldn't they, shouldn't we be trying to create a master <laughs> no, race no, of no. astronauts? <laughs> no. That's horrible. I know, I, I don't wanna get into that kind of, maybe I am, maybe I'm, I've stepped in it by accident. I'm just saying that if you one had to make a choice. For Rhett, one one giant giant step step for Rhett, one giant leap for sperm. <laughs> I just think that the sperm at the sperm banks could be a lot better if we were making astronauts just add to it. They don't have to go in, it doesn't have to be all astronaut sperm because you don't want everybody to look like the few number of people who are astronauts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you should be able to get your hands on some astronaut <laughs> sperm if you need it, if you want it, if that's I think, what you want. I guess what I'm saying is, is I think that astronauts should be required to have a certain number of samples to the sperm banks. It's like if you're gonna go through this trouble and first of all, you have to donate sperm before you go up because once you go up, your DNA is all compromised because of solar radiation. And yeah, stuff. seriously, your DNA changes and he, your telomeres shrink or she something. Said, yeah, she said it had to do with like the physical lack of pressure and weightlessness. First of all, your your head swells. We were told about that. Yeah. Well, not only that, your face swells up. Your, your nasal your nasal passages become completely blocked. When you are in space. You don't have a sense of smell. Fart it up, who cares? So one of the reasons, and again, we're probably gonna retread some of this when we show this video but uh, on LTAT, but one of the reasons that a lot of the food that the astronauts want is spicy, like they like like wasabi and hot sauce and that kind of thing is because they can't taste anything because they can't smell anything. You taste with just your mouth, and which I, is and highly so, underrated. So I was like, this sounds absolutely miserable. And, you, and, and then that was when Matthew said, well the thing that you don't wanna get is you don't wanna get a cold in space because when you have a cold on Earth, gravity is working to drain your, your clogged nasal passages and you're swallowing it or coughing it up or whatever. He's, uh, he's but gravity is constantly moving it out. When you don't have gravity, <clears throat> it can actually become a serious situation when you've got a cold and you're producing all this extra fluid and mucus and it's just staying in your head. And and they they don't give them like any sort of like, you couldn't just give them nasal spray indefinitely because it's it's it, the effect of the head swelling effect is so large that you can't really counteract it with drugs long term. So he said that's one of the main reasons why astronauts have a an isolation period before they go up because if you put a group of people in an, isola- in an isolated place and you don't let it be contaminated with the cold virus or a virus in general for a certain amount of time, as long as you keep that group of people isolated, they cannot become sick. That, I, it seems so obvious to me. It cannot become sick at all? If you take four people, because they want to send four people to the moon by 2024. Yes, I, I didn't realize that's what he was saying. Yeah, and you and you and you. I put, refuse to believe that. And you put them in a room. Yeah. And you say we're going to make sure that none of you have a cold. That we're going to get you tested, and then we're going to isolate you, and you're going to have no contact with your fa- like. You can talk to your like wife behind like a glass. Yeah, you'll be in an you'll be in an aquarium. Then when we walk you out to the get into the, the lunar module, hold whatever, your breath. We're going to isolate you the whole time so that you cannot get sick. Now, 
it is conceivable that sometime in the process of like putting on, putting on the suit or somebody involved in the process ends up transmitting the virus to you. But the plan is, is that people who are on space missions don't have any viruses that get can cause from. them to get sick. Or bacteria, I guess. And this is quite a protocol to this because you got, you know, the International Space Station, which we met a guy, I wish I could remember his name. He even gave us a business card and then his grandkids came to the show. Yeah, great guy. Was it Bill? Let's say Bill. Oh man, I wish I could That's a good name. astronaut name. I have his business card Short. in my suitcase at home. Uh, but he spent 190 days on the International Space Station with one other Russian dude. Yep, and they he, they trained for years together to be up there. And I was like, so did you like each other? And he was like, yeah, we were we we're good buddies because we trained so much together. You know, they I guess they hit it off and they keep in touch and they'll like still get together every year. There's like this Space Explorers Academy and convention. Well, and you have to have orbited the Earth 100 times to qualify for it. Yeah, so, so if, if you've orbited the Earth 99 times, you're not invited to this You can be out convention. front like in an, at an info counter. Send me up one more time. I want the buffet. <laughs> but the funny thing about. He could work at the buffet. They let him in. So we were talking to his wife and his daughter and his wife said he would call me every single day because apparently there is a phone in the International Space Station that can call any landline or any line on Earth at any time. And he was up there in, in like in 2006, 2007. Yeah, and he said that it would be He like, would call her every single day and she said- Every he, single night when he was about to go to no, bed. Yeah, when he was about to go to bed. But, but he was on, they operate on uh, Greenwich Mean Time. So it was like three in the afternoon whenever yeah. he would wanna start talking. Which, that was interesting, just to look, these little things that I learned that I'd never thought about. Astronauts who are in orbit operate on Greenwich Mean Time and why wouldn't they, right? You gotta pick something because your your position, it's, it's day and night means nothing when you're up there because you're going around. I don't know how many times you go around. I would think they would pick Depends Houston Depends on what orbit time, you're in, but. If they're talking to Houston the whole time, but they don't. No, they, so and so he would call her and it would be the middle of the afternoon and, he, and she said literally every time he called, he would say, what you doing? And she would say, I'm at work. I'm doing the same thing that I'm doing I'm, every day that you call me. And I'm in the middle of it. And then he would say, well, can I tell, can you, I tell about you about my day? My day? <laughs> Poor guy, he only had this other Russian dude to talk to. Yeah, he needed to talk to somebody. And then he he said that he'd, uh, he'd call his daughter and she'd be like, well, I'm going to class, Dad. And then she, she, would, she said that she literally did the, you're breaking up, Dad, thing where it was like <laughs> trying to get him off the phone. She literally did that to him. Right. Okay. Poor, guy, poor guy up in space, just. Well, poor guy up in space, I mean, the International Space Station travels in orbit around Earth at a speed of roughly 17,150 miles per hour. That's about five miles per second. This means that the space station orbits Earth once every 92 minutes. Every so it doesn't take half, long a to, to go 100. I mean, when he was up there in uh, 190 days, and he's been in space 225 days total. And you get patches. It's kind of like the Cub Scouts, like the Boy Scouts. They got their patch game is on fleek. He's got he we got some patches. Well, he has a hundred day patch, but he did not have. I was like, "Where's the two hundred day patch?" He was like, "They don't, I don't have it." 
even though he's been up there at 225. And he did 190 days in, in sequence. But you're saying. Consecutively. If you're very selective about quarantining, you could colonize Mars or put set a base. They're, they're, putting, they're building a base on the moon. That's what one of the things they wanna do. It, as, a, as a, basically a staging area to get yeah. to Mars and other places. So you can have everyone working on the International Space Station or this this uh, staging station on the moon or on Mars in the future and it just eradicate disease. Now will that, of course it'll find a way, disease finds a way. But you're quarantined and then you're, you're wearing that orange suit and you're going out to the thing and I think that's, at that point you're donating your sperm or your eggs. They donate the sperm right before they take off because you need to get your mind clear anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how relaxing it is to donate an egg. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think it's a lot more fun to donate sperm than it is to donate eggs. Yeah, um, it's probably significantly is. easier. You know what? We need to work on and you, that. And there's a whole lot more too. We can work on that. You do all that work and you get one egg. You get like a five billion sperm. We got it easy. Yeah, we, we got, got it, it too easy, easy, man. Um, but um, we also have it. It's easier for us to use the bathroom. We can stand. True. But not in space. In space, everybody sits. It's the sits. great equalizer. <laughs> everybody sits. Everybody sits in space. Last night, I gotta diverge a second because Lincoln comes in here in the in the living room and he's like, I don't, I wasn't the one who used the bathroom all over the floor. Somebody sprayed all over the floor. Britain, Lando, Dad, which one of you guys? Splattered all over the floor. I think it's Britain or Lando. Is the two Thank I knew. It. And if I had to narrow it down to one, I would say it was Britain. <laughs> <laughs> we all looked at him, and then he he added. He said, "I haven't used the bathroom since I've gotten back." I was like, "It's been four hours. Oh, You've been back four hours, homie. You're lying." No, I went in the bathroom, and we put in this. We put in black tile on the ground. Here's a hot tip: Don't put black, like matte finished tile, in your in a boy's bathroom because you can see with the way the lighting is, right. you can just you see, see all the splatter all the splatter time. Splatter everywhere. It's like looking at a crime scene where the serial killer used only urine. Right. Which I, think, there, I, think, I think there was a serial killer. They called him the uh, the pee -pee pee -pee man. killer. <laughs> the pee pee sprayer. Lincoln's like, uh, I was, first of all, I was proud of him that he was outraged about it, even though I still feel like maybe he did it. They call him the golden, the, okay. the golden shower killer, not the Golden State. What was okay. the Golden State? What was that guy's name? Golden State. Chris Mullen. I was trying to come Chris up with Mullins? a pun, and I can't do it. Um, I feel like the phlegm is constructing is in construct constricting uh, my ability to make puns. Obstructing. I can't even come up with the right words. You you are not astronaut material. I ended up making Lando clean it up with a rag, but I'm just saying, hot tip: no black floors in a boy's boys room and I was like guys, I'm just telling you, you just need to sit down to pee like the astronauts hmm. and me because huh. you never know, it's very unpredictable. It's, it's a lot of distance between. John Wayne Spracy. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, you got it. Uh, I knew I'd find it somewhere. Okay, you found it. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. John Wayne Spracy. <laughs> okay, so. Back to astronauts. Okay, so we think they should be donating sperm, uh, not to build a master race, just to supplement sperm banks, just to up the make people a little bit smarter. I, I just don't think that 
they're big on personality. I'm not saying that I didn't like him. I didn't like the astronauts that I met. Well, they're not very reactive. Yeah, they're very, they're so even keeled. You can't be reactive. Like, you have to be a non-reactionary person. I just don't think that makes for a fun space situation. It's like when everybody's unflappable. You don't want, you're saying you want it to be like Bachelor in Paradise up there? You don't want that, man. Uh, I'm not, I, you keep bringing it back to like spreading seed and stuff. No, I'm just no, trying, no, I'm you, trying to make it about fun. You, oh, first of all, this is a clear you don't indication. Have to have sex to have fun. This is a clear indication that you thought that my reference to Bachelor in Paradise had to do something about to do with sex. Yeah, Jacob and Kiko clearly knew that I just meant putting emotionally unstable people together in a small space. Oh, I've that's, never. That's watched why it. they both laughed because okay. reality television is about putting emotionally unstable people together in a confined space, and that doesn't have to be like a confined physical space, but it's just like conf confining them in some way. Like you can only talk to these people. So if you put those kind of people together in the International Space Station. Jacob thing, says with alcohol. With yeah. alcohol, right. Those people, the whole spa space station would just somehow end up getting burned up in, in the atmosphere. And it, wouldn't, <laughs> it, it just wouldn't, it couldn't succeed. Now, but if we could all watch it on television every Monday and Tuesday night on ABC, <laughs> right. we would think it was worth it. But yeah, you start colonizing places, you start to realize, you think with, the, I mean, it's just not a fun place to, it's not a fun colony. I'm just like, it can't be. You you can bring the fun people later, but At you can't point? have fun people do the initial colonization. At what point do I, fun guy, get invited? I don't know if you ever get invited. To the colony. <laughs> <laughs> I never get invited because I can't, I'm too tall for the spacecraft. Six four is the limit. Yeah, you're too tall. So I'll never, I'll never go to. I, I can do maybe like the anti gravity flight or something like that, but I can't. It, well, maybe the, the the I might be able to take a commercial flight. Maybe they'll have some some option at some point. But it, another thing I, I, I want to talk about that hit me when we were, especially in the um, space vehicle mock up center. I was like, now I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I know I play one on Good Mythical Morning from time to time. But okay. I am not a conspiracy theorist in, act, in, theorist in actuality and I do not believe that there's compelling reasons to doubt that we have been to the moon. Uh, but, I w but what I would say is if I were a conspiracy theorist, specifically one who doubted that the moon landing was real, mm -hmm. I do not believe that taking a tour of NASA would make me feel better. <laughs> I'm just, and here's, here's what I'll say, going into the space, vehicle mock-up center and seeing like the redneck centaur, you're like, what is happening here? Like I know that they're just experimenting with different things but even if you, when you get inside the lunar module, which we stuck our heads in basically the kind of contraption that's gonna go up there, you're like, this all seems so tenuous. It yeah. just doesn't seem, I know it's a bunch of engineering and it's all well thought out but it just seems like it could just, and it, of course, at times it has completely fallen apart. There's so many things that could go wrong. It just feels like I wouldn't have a whole lot of confidence. It wasn't the type of environment that I expected it to be. Like I would, the fact that we were like able to touch things, even though it was stuff that wasn't gonna go in space, it was, this is the mock-up center. They well, don't let us touch the real stuff. But I just got this sense that like, man, if I if I thought this was fake and this was all just to carry out, carry on a lie. That's a, quite an investment. I would probably still believe it having seen this. The only way you could prove it to me if I was a flat earther or if I didn't believe in the moon landing 
Because you'd ha- I'd have to g- go on the ride, you know? Have to go up. I think it's quite a, an investment to 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 pull the wool over the eyes of 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 the public. To what end? Well, yeah, that's why conspiracy theories, for the most part, don't make sense because when you're when fully analyzed, almost all conspiracy theories carrying out the conspiracy theory becomes more of a conspiracy than the conspiracy theory itself. <laughs> and that's why most conspiracy theories logically fall apart. But most people who most people who want to believe conspiracy theories cannot be swayed by logic or facts. I th- the thing that I reacted to was that a lot of it especially the experimental stuff by design was like hey, we're just we're going to see where this goes. You know, it's this this spirit of exploration, like trudging towards a big question mark and you know, like investing in the unknown. We're gonna we're gonna build this thing, we're gonna we're gonna have all these college students compete to build all this different type of stuff because they'll probably come up with something that's awesome that we'll need for something else. And you know, they talk about all the things you can look at the list of all the things that we benefit from on Earth because they were byproducts of all the innovation for space travel. Um, but it, it is infectious to be there and to see that it's just, we set, we looked up and then we were like, let's, let's check it out. Hmm. Let's bend our will and then, you know, you talk about people working together like on the International Space Station, you got like the whole Russian part, you got the, the Japanese built a whole rec center for the freaking space station. A gym, yeah, they have the gym module. Yeah, it's a big one and it's and you can and it's one of the only places that you can send experiments out of the International Space Station. So it's not just for push-ups and burpees. You can do you you're saying you can do like They send experiments out. There's like a ellipt- special hatch. You can do the elliptical outside of the I guess, space station. Yeah. Well, the, uh, yeah, like on on the Jetsons where it's like you got that elliptical out there. Yeah. Walk the dog on it. But that that spirit of exploration is infectious, and it was it was um, I don't know it 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 made me feel good about the, all the stuff we try and we don't know why we're doing it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, yeah. To in, me, in our own little way, it was like a, a, a kinship. And I know that people say that a lot. They're like, "Why worry about this when you've got you know you you've got people on Earth who are not even getting properly you know getting proper nutrition." Uh, well, first of all, I don't think that it's a, you know, net zero situation. So I don't think that it's not a zero sum game. So if you if you invest in space travel, it necessarily means someone's not getting a meal. But I completely agree with you that we should be we should be trying things just to try them. It's like why go like it. Some people are like why go to Mars? I mean, we have a, we we're having trouble enough keeping the inhabitable planet. <laughs> You know, habitable. Why are we going to go someplace else that we're going to have? We're going to have to like geoengineer this place just in in order to live there. And I think it's because you got to constantly be moving forward and innovating. You got to constantly be trying things. Sometimes people ask us that question, and I'm not going to make a. I am going to make an analogy, uh, and I do not think that what we do uh, in mythical entertainment is comparable to what is happening at NASA. Even though they did have that redneck, uh, that redneck centaur, which is yeah, the kind of thing totally we would have done on the show, that. we've gotten Paisley to build one of those. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you're like, "What are you like? What are you 
trying to do? Like, what do you hope to do? Like, why does why are you trying to keep growing this? And I, and to me, a part of it is just the the thrill of discovery. Yeah, exploration. It's just like the thrill of expression and discovery. Why am I going to throw this, you know, sodium into the middle of a lake? <laughs> well, we're not going to do that. No, but there's there, there's like you know there are like high school chemistry teachers who will take like pure sodium and throw it into the middle of a lake to watch it explode. I mean, you can't do that anymore, but you probably do it in the 80s. <laughs> and why do why do that? Because it's like, well, well it'd be cool to see that lake explode. <laughs> oh, I'm just saying sometimes you just you 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 start a process just to see where it's going to end. I'm I'm all in on space travel. I'm I'm all in um you going to go? I ain't going to go unless I have to. Yeah, I'm all in and and going to the moon, going to Mars, and I don't think we. I have to have like a why beyond just because. Let's see if we can do it as people. Let's see if we can do it sure. as a civilization. Yeah. Well, so if, if if Red ever goes up, we can credit that little tour we took. Right. He's gonna be he's gonna be gripping lovingly to a to a Centaur rover because I'm not gonna be there. I'm gonna be John Wayne Spacey. <laughs> Yeah, the puns keep coming. All right, I'm gonna look up my wreck because I got it here in a, in a, in a. Are you ready for my wreck? Yeah. Wreck, baby, wreck, baby. One, two, three, four. Wreck, baby, wreck, baby. Um. All right, I'm gonna rep, rep, recommend uh, the Sleep headphones Bluetooth 5.0 wireless eye mask. Hmm. Recently featured in the Ret MC Instagram. Yeah, our friend Jenny, she knows I'm big into like sleep masks and she brought one, I had a party, she brought one over. I was like, you expect the party's gonna be this bad? You gonna be sleep masking it up in the corner? She's like, no, I wanted you to see this because I knew you'd be into it. Um, because on the bus, I maybe she heard me complaining that like I had a really good sleep mask but then I would put my earbuds in and if you sleep on your side, like it, uh, it crams them into your ears yeah. and you're trying to listen to the deep sleep playlist. This solves that problem. Uh, the only thing it doesn't have is noise canceling and you have to jack up the volume all the way when you're on a tour bus because it's like Because it can't do the noise canceling unless it has something in your ear canal, right? Is yeah. Is that the problem? Because well, this is like. No, it's different technology too. Well, because I felt those and there was no, I the, couldn't tell you where the speakers There's were. little speakers right over your ears but if you lay on your side it does feel like you're just laying on plush headband and I mean, not a sponsor, of course. That's only twenty bucks, and it connects Bluetooth to Is your. Is it highly phone. rated? Seven hundred seventy-five reviews, four and a half stars. Yeah. Well, that's very highly rated. I just think, yeah, as I mean, it's not. It's only and twenty I, bucks. I use it on the plane. Yeah, it's only twenty bucks. Yeah, you'd think it'd be more than that. So yeah, that's my wreck, man. Uh, again, Homder H O M D E R. Well, do you recommend wearing it with a hat and a bandana? on flights and looking like Darth Vader. Yeah, the guy beside me who I did not know had to have, had to have been into it. I'm sure he loved it. I gotta say, um, I'm gonna continue taking pictures of you while you fly. Um, Just know the mouth is open underneath the bandana. Yeah, is it? Definitely, right? Definitely. <laughs> That's why I do that, because I don't, I don't really care about the picture, but I just don't like the idea of- Breathing in people's stuff without yeah, a filter. Yeah, and I, or looking or putting stuff in my mouth. 
Yeah, people have been known to do that. People could do that. Yeah. But not now with my bandana. I also recommend a bandana over your face. So there you have it. I am glad that we were here and that we did this. Don't get me wrong. It's not that. I, I, mean, I got I perked up a little bit. I wanted to take a nap, but so what? Yeah, I, Thanks for hanging no out. No naps needed. Hopefully, hopefully you didn't nap through this. Hashtag Air Biscuits. We'll speak at you again next week.